Hey everyone, welcome to Marketing Corner by Casper uh, and Jen. Uh, today we're uh, working on episode nine and we're going to be talking about B2B Facebook targeting. Uh, we, uh, we ended on a bit of a down, uh, down note on the last episode talking about the future of tracking. What do you, what do you <laughs> think about the, the future of B2B Facebook targeting? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's bugger. No. Um, <laughs> I actually, um, when, when we were preparing for this episode, you know, I looked, I, I actually spoke about B2B, um, Facebook targeting, uh, inbound in Boston back in 2018. And I kind of dug out my old presentation. I was like, Oh, with the new tracking, can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a, it's a good time to, to revisit this now with the new tracking uh, changes and, you know, what can you do and, and how can you, because everyone says, Oh, Facebook isn't great for B2B. I've heard that all the time, but um, mm. there's, that has not been my experience. Actually, my, I kind of started my career um, with B2B Facebook targeting and, and did pretty damn well. So Exactly. And that's why I think it's really good that you and I can uh, take this to the moon. Because <laughs> my take is also that Facebook's great. Like you can really do a lot with Facebook when you're in B2B. You mm -hmm. really just got to know what you're doing, which is different from maybe LinkedIn or something. Which also, mm -hmm. you, of course, you don't need to know what you're doing. But my point is more that uh, that's it's, it's easy to target the right people on LinkedIn. It's not easy to target the right people on Facebook. But mm -hmm. there's workarounds. And when you find those workarounds, you can definitely make a change. I think it's good that we do this episode now, just for the people listening, because uh, we talked about tracking. We made it a little bit hard for people, but here uh, it's not all bad, peeps. Uh, don't worry <laughs> about it. There's hope. There's a light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. This is it. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Okay. So, um, can you talk a bit about, um, like, overall, what do you do, and like, what's the B2B Facebook parking? Do you have any approaches you use? And what, what yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think. One of the things that I had a lot of success with is is using Facebook to its advantage. Facebook is great in that there's a lot of people on there and you can, rather than these high intent channels like Google um, search and things like that, you can put yourself right in front of people who don't even know that they have a problem. They don't even know that your solution exists. Um, I know when I was at Plan Day and now that I'm at Dixa, you know, we're very much disruptors. So people don't know we exist. So these channels are a great way to tell people you exist um, and then get them familiar with your product as opposed to just hoping they, they hear about you. And um, this actually came about when I, when I first moved to Copenhagen and people asked me what I was doing, I was like, oh, I work for an online scheduling platform. And people were like, what, what is, yeah, what is that? And I'm sure you have that at Templify, like, yeah, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, oh, like, yeah, that was, that was bad, you know? that was bad in the beginning. Yeah. And that kind of dawned on me, like, ah, oh, people don't know what this is. No one's Googling us. And so how can we overcome that? And that's where I think paid social, particularly Facebook, come in handy. So um, I actually developed, <laughs> put that in mm. rabbit ears, because it's kind of, I was listening to um, Perpetual Traffic, the podcast. Yeah, I love that one. Big, really big great podcast. Yeah, big inspiration from Marketing Corner inspiration. Um, <laughs> And they talk about this kind of new awareness funnel. And um, so I took their concept and I adapted it to my business. And that's something that I use now when I'm kind of segmenting my audiences. I'm segmenting my messaging, audiences, ad formats, everything. And this essentially says, um, it's called the Upside Me funnel. This is what I called it. Um, U-P-S-Y-D-M-E. Bear with me. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you think of awareness, right? And um, first you have people who have no idea they even have a problem. Yes. So 
in Templeify's case, you know, people who probably brand managers, maybe, or people yes, who are like, yeah, what example. the hell are you doing with all this? You know, plan day, it was um, people who were doing scheduling with Excel. And they're just like, yeah. this is, this that's is fine. That's what we've always been doing. They don't even know they have done. a problem. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the you. And then you have the P. You have the people who know they have a problem, but they don't know a solution exists. So mm-hmm. they're going, oh, this sucks. I wish there was an easier way. Um, but they don't know that there is. Then you get more to the traditional funnel with the S. That's the solution. They know a solution exists. They just don't know what it is or they don't know you exist. Then you get to the why they want your product or they know that your product exists. Then they desire your product. And so that's kind of, so the U and the P for me, the unaware that a problem exists or where a problem exists that they don't know a solution exists. This for me is the kind of sweet spot that Facebook can hit. And then turn them into people who know about your product. And then the the me part of it is uh, maintaining people. Um, so you want to obviously reduce churn. And because mm. some of us B two B businesses, right? We, um, I work in businesses that are subscription based. So if you grow, yes. we grow. So we yeah, want to help exactly. you expand. So that's the the me. And and I can put a picture of this up. Um, I'll link somehow <laughs> through oh, the we'll, interwebs. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes somewhere. We'll yeah. put it in the show notes. <laughs> So I think, you know, so that's the first step that I would take is kind of using the social media platforms, particularly Facebook. How can I get the unaware to the aware and then know about my product? And that's what I would use Facebook for in the first instance. And I think that's amazing. And I think that's uh, that's actually a very sophisticated model of what I'm doing. Because, uh, <laughs> But uh, I've always like um, when I look at channels in general, like uh, one thing I quickly quickly but I at some point discovered is that I, I like to follow the AIDA model for, for channel usage so it's more like awareness interest desire action right mm-hmm. and you need to get as close to the bottom as you can right and and we all know that Facebook and LinkedIn Twitter whatever all these uh, social channels they're uh, closer to the top right their top funnel as you just brought up so my mm-hmm. approach has almost always been how do I get them closer to the bottom and that's also because I've worked a lot in startups, and that's not not necessarily the approach you want to use in a in a larger company, for that instance, in a larger B two B instance. But at least in a in a smaller startup, it's always been like, okay, we gotta prove traction now. We gotta find like uh, gotta find a way to make some bucks before we run out of money. So we gotta find the people who are not completely unaware they have a problem. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way, right? Uh, so I've always tried to use tactics, and I can bring up some of them now. Um, that, that still work. Um, recently, uh, maybe maybe that's fine to use. Uh, talk a little about. It. Recently, I've been exploring. Uh, so I'm a big fan of Clearbit. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you used Clearbit before. I don't think you, you guys don't use Clearbit, right? Do you, do we you use, use it for um, form form, form shortening. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, form so shortening. Yep. Mm-hmm. What what they've just launched, uh, and I actually I was a bit of it's like a beta tester for it, but they launched their Clearbit, uh, I think they call Clearbit audiences or Clearbit ad audiences for Facebook. So essentially what they do is just, uh, I don't know how they do it because I'm actually, I uh, haven't looked that much into it. I'm kind of like, whatever it works. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they actually, they've uh, managed to do the same targeting that you can do in LinkedIn, you can actually do in Facebook. So you create the audiences that you want to have in Clearbit audience, and then you just transfer it to Facebook. And trust me, that's I've uh, been testing it. And while uh, we don't have as much testing ground here in the United Kingdom for that, like haven't been able to test it as extensively, the mm-hmm. things I have done have been great. They've been really good, actually. Like really promising, really, really mm-hmm. promising. The leads we got were spot on uh, personas, which is uh, not something I would usually see from Facebook. Uh, 
I, I remember I had a ground rule when I was at Templify that we were like saying, okay, uh, when you get a lead from LinkedIn, 80% of the people were the right, at least persona, like the right uh, per person up front. Uh, mm -hmm. When it was in Facebook, it was approximately like 10% uh, right. was the right persona. And that was uh, using lookalikes, using all these different hacks, and we would get there. But at, back then, at least when I did it, then it was also a lot cheaper to do Facebook ads. It still is, but it's mm -hmm. the, the gap is closing. The gap is really closing. Uh, so you gotta stay uh, upfront on this. You gotta. If you don't use these kind of methods, you're gonna be losing. Like uh, mm -hmm. you're, you're gonna be hardcore losing, especially in uh, Facebook. Uh, I would say. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's it's Facebook. For me, it's cheaper, but yeah, you, it's it's casting a much wider net, and that's where. Um, you know, maybe upper funnel, as I said, the kind of unaware people, I'll do a brand awareness. So, so it's kind of high level pain points that would resonate with them. So, you know, yes. if it's um, plan day, it's like, oh, are you tired of spending a lot of time scheduling or something? So something that kind of triggers with them, like, yeah, I am. And then if they engage in that, then I love to jump to the lead gen, the lead gen mm. form for me. And that's yeah. where it's kind of, um, okay, now I know that I have a problem. I want to learn more how I can fix it. And I think this lead gen is not actually being impacted by the tracking changes. Yeah. So good. that's a great curve. kind of way of getting around it. And that, for those who don't know, is where there's a, a form that pops up within the Facebook platform. So that's another yes. good thing is you're not sending them to another website. You're not sending them to your website where people tend to drop off. 99% of our leads come through mobile. So this is a yeah. much easier way of doing it. Facebook will import their information from their Facebook profile into the form. So usually all they have to do is press send and then exactly. they carry on with Facebook. So it's very easy for the user. The downside is you're going to get a lot of crap. You'll, <laughs> you'll get, you know, you'll get some bad leads. Um, yeah. And that's the balance that you have to take of. And that's one of the reasons that, um, and I don't know if we jump into this now, but I put in more um, parameters. I put in more fields in my form to try to mm. weed out people who aren't serious um, okay. and to make sure um but uh, i don't know if that's yeah. something we jump that, in now that's the one we... approach. I, I do it a little bit differently so i actually mm. don't have any as many parameters what i instead do i do a, a bit more intensive nurture flow afterwards so once they uh, sign up for something through uh, a lead gen form then i have an automated flow so the sales reps don't have to deal with them immediately um, oh, okay so it's just different approaches for, uh, and it depends on how also depends on your budget and how much you're spending. Mm -hmm. One of the things I, um, I I clearly think you should be utilizing on Facebook is the, of course, the power of lookalikes is interesting. So my question was uh, actually, and that's uh, for B2B uh, lookalikes, uh, for B2C lookalikes are king. Like if you're not mm -hmm. using, uh, using B2 uh, lookalike in B2C, I don't know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> let's be real here. But for B2B, a lot of B2B marketeers always come to me like, yeah, but uh, we don't have a lot of customers. Like, uh, they don't. Like, maybe they have 20 customers, but they're mm. huge enterprises, right? How do you do a lookalike on 20 customers? And and the same with, uh, with like, in general, like, uh, even when Templify was at its height, we, were, we didn't have enough data to do proper lookalikes. So what I would typically do uh, back then, this was before the clear audience part, but I would, what I would do, and that this still works. Like I just want to point that out to people. This, this hack and this is a general approach still works is find another external data source. It could be back then, I would, we would use Discover Org, Zoom Info, could use uh, Ocean.io, uh, Bainu, uh, BuildWit is also fine. And then you could uh, 
then you can extract some of them have access to personal emails and stuff. And then you can extract all this knowledge and actually send it over to Facebook. And I would do that. Mm. And then so not only what I would what I would do sometimes, uh, I would do ads uh, towards these people, uh, the, the general emails, but usually I would actually just use them for lookalike ones. So would have these uh, all this uh, all this data then would create a lookalike audience and then target it from there. Okay. Because then, because then, because the, the, what these databases thrive on, what they're good at, is that they have all their data, and especially what we're interested in is job titles, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And like like that for me, that was at least the thing that you mentioned brand managers. So I could just do okay. Uh, I could do a list of ten thousand brand managers and then make a lookalike based on those. Yes, I didn't know if these people were interested in my product, but I at least know that they were the right people. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and, and Facebook, Facebook didn't wouldn't always make the lookalike, but it would still be better than if I didn't do this. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, so, so that's one of the approaches I've had a, a quite a lot of uh, success with. Uh, like Interesting. On a pure technical level. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool. Yeah, we um, we did it. Yeah, kind of the opposite in that we did the the kind of in the beginning we filtered out a lot of people so mm. we made so one of the first things we did for the brand awareness ad so that that was kind of a spray and pray like that kind of yeah. was a wide you know and that's the top of the funnel right so that's much wider and one of the things actually i had a facebook account manager which was really really helpful at the time um if you can get one these days <laughs> they're really hard to get um, yeah. i'm like take my money just help me if yeah. your ad is compelling, they're going to click on it anyway. Um, so, you know, save that's some a really money. interesting take, actually. Really yeah. interesting. Okay. So that's one of the first things I would do on Facebook is impressions. Just okay. get the impressions out there because that's much cheaper. If it's compelling to the person, they'll click rather than paying for clicks. You know, it's it's it was a way of kind of saving a little bit of money and making sure the people who click are the people who are interested. Then with that audience, you can retarget anyone who engaged with that ad with these lead gen we would all so that was kind of one layer and then we would also do a lookalike of existing customers so we would upload and and we had if you don't have enough because you have like um sometimes with b2b or SaaS companies you have administrator and user right yes and they're not yeah. always so maybe you don't have a ton of administrators enough to launch an, uh, an audience yeah. but we would combine users as well put that into facebook make a lookalike one percent sometimes two percent if you want to go a little wild. <laughs> and then we would also try that. But then one of the things I found, so I did the, I started with the super easy name, email, phone number mm. um, fields that are kind of automatic. I think they're there by default. And when you click on the ad, it automatically imports it anyway, and you just click send. And that's where we saw a lot of bad leads and sales. I think, you know, we saw a huge jump. I think it was like 200% increase in the amount of leads coming through. But then sales were like, what the hell, Jen? Like this, you know, at a, at, I did an, in my presentation, I had a gif of like all of marketing giving each other high fives because we were like, yeah, man, we killed it. We killed it. And then you have this next slide with sales, like really pissed. <laughs> you know, they had 200 more, you know, 200% increase of leads, but they had to sift through the really bad ones to get to the good ones. Right. And that made more work for them. So then we added more parameters in and we had at the time the head of optimate uh, of automation. And he was like, no, 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 you can't add more fields. Adding more fields, it's going to, you know, every time you make someone take an extra step, statistically about 30% or something drop off. He's like, no, it's you super bad. It. Yeah, you, you try to avoid it. Yeah. if we're B2B and they're not even willing to tell us their job title, mm. are they going to go through the whole sales process? That was kind of our logic. That's a good point. So, and it's, 
it's funny you bring it up because it's something I have debated so mm-hmm. many times with with other people and myself. And truth be told, I keep going back and forth on it because, like, mm-hmm. I am fundamentally I am the, also the person who says as as few feels as possible. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm definitely that type of person. And there's sometimes cases where it's clearly a problem. Like, I think there's also like a problem. There's a point where you say like, I don't care how many fields you have, but this is just too many. Like if you have more than, I don't know, five, uh, 10 fields, then you just have too many. Like, I don't care what you're asking in field 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14, it's too many. Yeah. But, but, it, but the question is like, Hey, uh, should you have uh, five or six? And that, that's, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. And the thing is like, you can, the, and that's actually something I wanted to take this into next which is great because um what what can you do then like uh, how do you split test this because mm-hmm. uh, you can test it on the upfront level yes you get fewer leads they're more qualified but does that mean you may make more revenue in the end well well it's going to take us six months to find out <laughs> like mm-hmm. so so and this is a this is a fundamental thing and i don't, don't think we can cover that today but maybe another episode is how 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 you manage to, to optimize while your sales cycle takes so long like well, mm-hmm. how can you optimize for the future uh and, and that's that's actually something i personally struggled with and i think everyone struggles with it's me but how do you optimize your campaigns for what the outcome is in six months mm-hmm. yeah um, and that's yeah that's that's a great point i mean what we were able to do by adding these extra parameters is again we knew our icp <laughs> coming back to the icp episode um but we knew our ideal size and our ideal industry so we made these fields so how many people are you and how what industry and so we had a drop down of so they had to select the industry and if they selected so we had our sweet spot and then we had other and if Mm. you were outside our size outside our industry so you selected uh, maybe too small or too big and you were other you were automatically put in through a hubspot workflow where you were signed up for our newsletter or you were signed up for um, a free trial if Mm. you're in the sweet spot Sales want to talk to you right away. And so that went to a different queue and sales got those good leads. And so that's what we in marketing did, excuse me, to help optimize sales time. So sales knew, okay, these guys are a great fit. And what you can even do if you want to take it to the next level is you can say what industry they're in, in Salesforce. So, you know, the salesperson sees the right size, this industry, they can immediately reach out to them with a case study that's relevant. They can immediately, you know, start speaking in a way that resonates based on the information they get just through that lead gen form. And so that was a way of kind of filtering out the leads that we don't want sales to spend time on just yet. And then having sales focus on those sweet, sweet deals that they, they are confident they could close. And that's, um, so that's how we kind of did it from the front end, but you're absolutely right. Then what happens afterwards? So we could take maybe those leads, upload those as a lookalike audience, maybe later on down the line, the lifetime value, is a really interesting yeah. thing. Exactly. I'm so glad time. you brought that up because like <laughs> lifetime value is something you need to look at a lot. And it's way mm-hmm. easier to do this in a B2C regimen. You know, like you, you buy a shoe and then maybe you buy two pairs, but you know, that's it. <laughs> uh, in a B2B, it's a little bit harder because it takes time. But but it, there's always like these things where it's just like, okay, you take uh, your highest value customers and you transfer that as a lookalike. What mm-hmm. I think a lot of people forget when it comes to that, because that's the traditional version and that's good. Still do it. Don't get me wrong. But it's to do something I call layered lookalikes. So okay. take lookalikes and then add parameters to that one or maybe even add more types of like lookalikes. So take your, uh, so you, you can also have layer lookalikes in the field. You have 1% lookalikes and you have two, three, four different percentages. 
So finding ways to, to combine lookalike audiences actually all, with other parameters actually also a good way to do it. And especially in these tracking cases today where it becomes harder to track, so you can't trust the algorithm as much, but you can't trust what you're making the lookalike studio. So. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, one thing I want to bring up before we uh, we're running out of time swiftly, um, <laughs> but uh, as always, but, um, <laughs> as always, is uh, <laughs> what you do with retargeting. Um, mm -hmm. So um, I have a I have a very uh, sophisticated approach to retargeting, but I don't know, like, what, what do you do in Dixa uh, or in general, and what have you done with retargeting? Well, I mean, we've tried the one size fits all um, approach, which I think a lot of smaller um, kind of one person armies might do, where it's just like anyone who's engaged with this ad or anyone who's visited our website, just send them another ad. Um, but I've also had the opportunity to get a little bit more sophisticated. So we have, um, you know, depending on what page they visited. Um, but this is going to be, I think, a problem mm, with yes. the IELTS tracking. So maybe I should stop talking now. But <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if they visited a pricing page and they got pricing to ads, if they visited a specific feature, then we were able to send them feature yeah. ads. And, and it's funny, right? Because like targeting is one of the things that's really going to get hurt by all the tracking issues. Yeah, absolutely. In the previous episode. So so that on the front level, that's super bad. So one of the solutions I've kind of started to explore and what I'm, I'm wanting to explore more and more is to use uh, a video retargeting. And um, mm. so you can... So let's say you take uh, someone who's been to your site and they've accepted tracking, which is not a lot, but they but it does. Then that that at least those people you can actually say, okay, when they come back, then you can send them a video, and then you can keep them in that flow because then in that flow keeps them on Facebook. So if mm -hmm. they've seen the video on Facebook, then you can like, okay, well I can target it based on that. So that that's one of ways to get around it, and you can also do like when you do top level funnel uh, the targeting, then you don't have to have them click to the website. You can just say, okay, if you've seen. Uh, 25 or I would usually depends on the video length and all that stuff but let's say between 25 and 50 percent of your video then I want to want to hit you with more stuff right mm -hmm. uh, then uh, I've, I've used a lot in, on other platforms it's a lot easier but to do some even more cool stuff like Google Ads I use a lot of scroll depth and like mm -hmm. the, the time on site and all this stuff that goes a little bit out of the window these days with the, with the, the traffic uh, the targeting for Facebook but but mm -hmm. the other principle around the video retargeting is actually, uh, in my opinion, that's where we have a potential to do something really cool. Uh, mm -hmm. and start utilizing it more. It was still powerful before people just didn't know it. Uh, yeah. It didn't, I mean, not, not, not my, it's not my impression that people utilize it. And I think when I, I talked in the previous episode also about um, some of this, the setups we have to keep maintaining first party data, because first party yeah. data, as we said, isn't going to be affected. So if you have a really good setup with your sales team, where, say, for example, they um, uh, they put in Salesforce the reason that this lead has stopped or if you have prospects in the process you know, you can pull that list out and you can retarget them that way. So one of the things that we like to do is if I'll pull a list of prospects every month. So that means they're already talking to us. They've signed up for a demo, but they haven't signed on the dotted line yet. And then we can do social proof campaigns and kind of keep them active in that way. Um, if someone drops off because they say bad timing, then we give them, you know, we retarget them at a later date because this is our data. We are, they gave us their email. They gave us permission to contact them. So, you know, that isn't going to be as impacted um, mm. as some of the other methods that maybe a lot of us have used in the past. So that's one way of making sure, you know, if they say bad timing, 
put them in a nurturing a remarketing campaign a couple of months later. If they say bad pricing, once you have an offer, throw that in, you know, in a new campaign. So, you know, there's other things you can do if you have control of your data. Um, and again, smaller teams, this is going to be hard to do, but if there is a way, and that's where these lead gen ads are really good too. If you have the mm. data, you own the data, then you can use it to retarget as opposed to relying on behaviors and things like that, Absolutely. Um, which is going to be impacted. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I want to mention one last thing for people out there, and this is just a, a little bit of a generic thing, and it goes across also B2C. One of the things I've always found that, that, really works so good for me and like everyone should be using the same on Facebook it's just Facebook is really good for split testing like really mm -hmm. really really good for split testing it's going to be a little bit worse when all the traffic is out the window yes but I think fundamentally you can still get a bit quite far here mm -hmm. um, and um, it's just uh, a lot of people forget to do this and I literally always always have a split test run like always have these ones uh, but I always have multiple split tests because it could be something as simple as testing copy, mm -hmm. uh, testing copy, testing images, testing colors, testing yada yada. So the closer you get to your target audience and the more you split test on it, the more like the more performance oriented and data driven you will be. And you mm -hmm. will start to see that you perform better. Like we literally, I remember we had a test where we made, um, I think it was five different videos uh, when I was at Templify. With a, we had a new guide and everyone was like, literally, we went to, to, hey, can we just shoot us walking and say, hey, we have a new guide. Like, that's literally mm -hmm. the first second, like, hey, we have this guide. This is why you should read it, blah, 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 right? Did five videos, five different people. And they're like, it's going to be interesting to see which, which of the people performed the best, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we split tested that. And we found that uh, that for our audience, at least, there the, the girls were, were winning, except for one person. And that was uh, an old colleague of mine it's called Piper. I had a huge beard, right? Like a huge beard. And was, it was also an actor in his spare time and stuff. So he had a very like uh, very authoritative voice. Mm -hmm. And that ended up performing better. Yeah. But on the front side, when we looked at the five videos, we were like, yeah, the girls are going to win probably. Mm -hmm. One of them was almost model, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, she's going to win. And, yeah. and I was there like, Casper's not going to win. He's very Aww. good. <laughs> I took on you. I took Actually, on I was the worst. I was the worst. Was kind of <laughs> oh. But my point is, you need to split mm. test the stuff, right? Yes, you would never absolutely. know which one best either way. And um, yeah, just to follow up on that, I would only make sure you don't split test too many things at once, right? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and we did a very similar thing. That's funny you mentioned that because at Plan Day we did the same where we did like, okay, human being or just the product. Yes. And then the, the human being works. So we're like, okay, and everyone was like, the pretty girl in the ad is gonna win. Yeah. The pretty girl is always gonna get clicked on. So we did like a pretty stock footage girl. Um, and then we did, um, well, we, we, we also looked at ethnicities as well, you know, so we did like, because, you know, we wanted to see what's going to work. And actually the best performing ad for us was a person of color, but um, you would say probably they were ambiguous in terms of their ethnicity, you know, so it was, yeah, um, it, yeah and it was a man. And that okay. particular stock footage man was like outperforming absolutely everything we tried everything else so interesting right and it's very interesting yeah so no don't go with your gut just no. test different things out um i don't know the reason behind it there's probably yeah. some sociological study you could do <laughs> as to why that works yeah, but yeah, yeah. Exactly. you know it was uh, also it can be different because it's also audience types and all these different things right but mm -hmm. but I think fundamentally you that's why it's when it's so easy to split this which is it which it is mm -hmm. from Facebook, especially especially with Facebook 
you should be doing it, utilize it, like keep utilizing. But I totally agree with you. Find the one thing that you're split testing every time. You don't have to yeah. go into multivariate split testing and stuff. Yeah, it's too it much messy me. really fast. And like, don't get me wrong, you can do it, but then you need to be really, you really need to know what you're doing. Um, yeah. Um, so, so focus on one thing, like maybe it's the image that's different. Next time it's the different wording, whatever it is, right? Like, uh, and then just tweak and tweak, and tweak and tweak. Yeah, tweak exactly. and tweak and tweak. It's a good way and it still works. And Facebook, like you said, is really easy note, to do it. So. Cool. Uh, I think we'll end it here. This is, yes. uh, this is great. There's so much to talk about. But uh, if you listened to the last episode about tracking, then uh, now you know the world is not burning. Like there's still potential <laughs> to do stuff. Yeah. Any last words? <laughs> Any last words? Not so <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>